All right, let's get into this word tonight. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. Now, we're not going to be a long time in this setting tonight, but we're going to be revisiting this for quite a while. Uh, I don't have a set amount of days or weeks, but we are going to be starting a series tonight that ultimately is going to lead us to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 18. Uh, Romans 8, and we'll read here in just a moment at verse number 18. But I'm going to open this up tonight, and we're going to lay a little bit of groundwork for this series that is ahead. And then as we get full on into this series that we are going to be moving into, we are really going to focus between Romans 8, the latter part of Romans 8, and then Romans chapter number 12. And in Romans chapter number 12, we are going to find a multitude of things that we're just going to dig into for a little while and see what the Lord is saying to us. How many of you know I've been saying to you now for quite a while through this winter time that the Lord had spoken to me as we were moving in a season of revival. Uh, we were, you know, we had the, the uh, outdoor tent uh, revival we we had the outdoor parking lot uh prayer ministry we were leaving the building we were moving out vernon to maryland the mission on wheels kicked off and we were doing services and then wintertime kicked in and some of those things now have transitioned just a little bit now vernon to maryland are still going out and, and the mission on wheels is still going out and ministering uh it's shifted a little bit away from the outdoor services to just the serving and one-on-one -on -one ministry opportunities so you can see them if you'd like to be a part of that they just went out last weekend and i asked vernon just an estimate of about how many people they're probably able to feed or 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 meals to give out things like that and and he said they can even be anywhere up around 100 people and so we're just thankful for every person that is fed or ministered to uh in that setting so if you're interested you can check with vernon about mission on wheels but i had said to you in prayer time as we were moving in winter time that I felt the Lord was saying that we were going to be moving into a season of preparation. That, that this was going to be a time of preparation. That the Lord would begin to prepare us for what He's going to do as we move forward. Because I believe we are going to move right back into that time of not only God moving within the building, but God moving outside of the building. And so I, I'm believing that we are continuing down this road. The church, once the church leaves the building, they don't ever just go back only into the building. Amen. Now the building is important. We, it is important what we do here and vital that we continue to move forward and press for revival. But we don't just minister in the building. We are ministering in the community. And so we are going to be going back to opportunities of, of crusade type ministry, revival ministry outdoors. We're going to be working on some plans, getting those things going, ready to go as soon as the weather gives us the opportunity. But right now, I believe we are in a time now, holiday time has ended. Uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's has passed. And now we come into a time of preparation. A time to wrap our minds back around what it is that God is wanting to do. Now, we could, we could say, well, we should never take our minds off of that. And you're exactly right. But the reality is that through those holiday seasons, so many are so distracted that it becomes difficult for mul the multitude to keep focused. But now is a time to come back into focus 
get our minds back around what God desires, what God is wanting, what God is doing, and then begin to press forward. And some months back, as the Lord began to speak to me about a winter of preparation, the Lord began to take me to a study started out with a me just reading over and over these chapters and then took me into a study of these chapters and the Lord began to speak to me about principles for the walk and life of victory for the believer the walk in the spirit the life of victory and and victory over the flesh for the believer and I've I've got some principles that we're going to dig into and we're going to see what the Lord is going to say to us. So we're just going to kind of open this up a little bit tonight and lay some groundwork because the Lord began to speak to me about, I want my people to understand there are actions of hope. The actions of hope. And that's going to make more sense as we move forward. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 18. It says, as Paul is writing here, I believe Paul is writing here, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. I know Paul is writing here. My mind, I don't know why I made that statement. It just kind of came back to me there. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now I want you to catch this. Now it's in, it, like I said, tonight's going to be some groundwork time. So we're going to walk through this a little bit. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, how many would agree that the present time that we are living in involves some difficulties? You probably could even call it in some way sufferings. We, we, we know people that have greatly suffered during this time. We know that, that uh, nations have suffered during this time. Economies have suffered during these times. We, we know that the church in many respects has suffered during these times because the enemy has taken this opportunity and divided and kept us from being together and kept as much as he possibly could and, and tried to keep us kind of splintered and apart as much as possible. But I want you to hear what he, what he says here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the sufferings that we go through can't be compared to the glory that God wants to reveal in us. His glory in us. Not only when we get to heaven, not only when we live for eternity with the Lord, but how many of you believe the Lord wants to reveal His glory in us right now? And the greatest way that the Lord reveals His glory in a believer in the world we're living in today is when we operate our lives daily in hope. When we exhibit hope. When we exude hope. When our outlook continues to be hopeful. Because hope means we have faith. The true meaning of hope. I'm not talking about the pie in the sky. Well, I hope things work out. No. Hope in the fact that God's got a plan. Hope is, see, that, that's hope with faith. And hope with faith becomes powerful. And that's God's way of revealing glory, His glory, through us. So, 
with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then verse number 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation. And listen to this. Eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was to futility. And we're going all the way back to creation of this world and then the fallen nature of this world after sin has entered in. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Even from the fall, do you know that creation, God intended us to live in His perpetual, completed, and full glory and blessing? It was called the Garden of Eden when man was placed in it. It was beautiful to behold. It, it did not have thorns and briars. It did not have difficulties and hardships. There was no toiling by the sweat of the brow. There was none of those things. It was God's beautiful creation. But when man fell, when sin entered into this world, even creation itself was put under that that cast of, of fallen nature where thorns now would rise up, where man would have to toil the land by the sweat of his brow. We, we, know, we, we know that then Eve, after her failure, Adam's would be the sweat of his brow. He's going to have to labor for everything. It's Eve. There's going to be now pain associated with childbirth. They're going to be pushed out of the Garden of Eden. And even creation is subjected to the futility of not being everything God called it to be, God made it to be, but it was subjected in hope that one day all things will be restored. Amen. Now this, this, is a, this is a good word if we will hear it. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subject, subjected it in hope. Verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Even we ourselves, who are the first fruit of the Spirit of God, that's those who are believers. That's us. That's those of us who are in Christ. We groan within ourselves. You know what that means? That means that even though we are redeemed and we are saved, we are still subjected to a flesh body. Has anybody found that to be true? We are still subjected to a flesh body. We live in it every day. It fights with us every day. And the older we get, the more it fights with us, it seems like. We, we are subject, even though we are free, even though we are in Christ, even though we are seated with Him in heavenly places, the Bible would say, we are the redeemed of the Lord, we are in Christ, we are new creatures in Christ, even though we still live in a flesh body until the day that we are released, until the day that the body can be changed. Amen. This corruption one day is going to put on what? 
incorruption. This mortal is going to put on what? Immortality. That's going to be the coming together. That's going to be the full redemption that we are going to live in one of these days where there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more aches. There will be no more struggles. There will be no more diseases. There will be no more fights of faith and no more battles with, with depression or battles with isolation. There will be none of that be eternal glory forevermore we will be one together in christ forevermore but that day is still ahead of us even though the the assurance is ours in christ jesus even though the victory is already ours in christ jesus even though we walk it by faith right now we live it by faith we walk in the fullness the healing power of the Lord, the saving power of the Lord, the joy of the Lord that is our strength, we have not yet arrived. Amen. Paul would say this. He said this in Philippians. He said, I don't count myself as I've already attained. I'm not, this isn't all there is. If this is all there is, we are of all people most miserable. This is not all there is. Paul said, I don't count myself as already of apprehending, uh, attaining. He said, but this is what I do. I forget those things that are behind. And I press forward to those things that are ahead. Amen. To the mark. <laughs> right? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press forward. Amen. Are y'all, are y'all with me? <laughs> we need to press forward. We need to have hope. Paul's talking about hope here we hope we are people of hope our world that we live in it's not what it will be there's going to be a renovation of this world we're going to be new heavens and new earth there's going to be renovations and all things are going to be brought back to the place god intended them from the beginning sin free do you know you have never you and i have never experienced a day like that in our lives. That's why I get amazed at people that say, you know, what are, what are we going to do in heaven? And they almost act like they have this great fear that they're going to be bored. I mean, let me tell you something. You have never, not for one moment, experienced life outside of the failure of this life. Oh, but what a day it's going to be. And what an eternity it's going to be. When all things are restored and man is put back in the position God intended man to be in from the beginning, but now man is put in that position through Jesus Christ, the shed blood, the finished work, never to fall again, never to be able to be pulled away again. And we will live forever more fulfilling all the purposes, all the hopes, all the desires, all the plans that God had for us from the beginning. I don't know about you. It's not something I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, and I know the problem. We've sold this idea for too long in the church that heaven means we're going to be some sort of little fat baby angels with harps floating around on clouds. That's not what we're doing. Amen. That's not what we're doing. We are being all God made us to be. That's why we have hope. My hope is not in this world. My hope awaits. That's why I can lay up my treasures. 
Amen. One good thing about, about quarantine and COVID, at least when you feel well enough to do it, is I, I watched movies. Now, I didn't watch movies you watched. I watched movies, and my wife didn't want to watch the movies I watched either. But on YouTube, I can get on there, and I watch documentary movies. Yeah, I watched the documentary movies of George Muller. Reese Howell. See, y'all don't even know who those people are. So, they're, they're, they're old, old Christian men and people. Amen. I watched William Carey over in India, the missionary to India. I watched, they're the cheesiest movies you'll ever see, but they're documentaries about their lives and stories of their lives. And, and they were inspiring to me as I was, as I was hearing their stories and lifting, lifting up. They were finding their purpose for God. And I thought, Lord, I, I'm, I'm so excited that someday, now, we're going to fulfill your plans and purposes here, but there's coming a day when I'm going to be able to fulfill everything God ever intended for me from the moment I ever was even a thought. Amen. And I'm going to be able to fulfill it unhindered by anything else. No sin, no struggle, no battle is going to hinder me then. Amen. That's hope. We have hope of better. Amen. So, for we... No, the whole creation groans. Verse 23, not only that, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan within ourselves. We're eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Notice what that says, of our body. It's, all things now are going to become new. That's, that's still coming. For we, are, we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? That means we're not there yet. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it. Watch this. With what? Perseverance. Amen. We wait for it. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Amen. I was reading this through a few months back as the Lord was taking me through that. And I all of a sudden it was like, and I don't know if you're seeing this the way I am in my spirit because of the way the Lord was showing it to me. But all of a sudden, I was hearing this word fresh and new. I was hearing about hope again. I was hearing about God saying, this is the preparation. I'm preparing. Hope in me. Have hope that my plans are being enacted. Keep your eyes upon me. That brings perseverance. The more we hope for more things and better things, the more we will persevere through the difficult times. And then he said, and likewise, now not only do I have to persevere, but the Spirit Himself will help when I'm weak. So when I find myself weak, the Spirit Himself comes to lift me up into hope. Then all things are possible. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. A couple more verses. And we know all things work together for good. To those who love God. 
to those who are the called according to his purpose. See, when you understand what this is saying, then all of these next few verses make sense. No wonder all things can work together for good because it's not about what's happening right now. It's about the hope of what God still has ahead of us. What the Spirit of God will lead us into and strengthen us for, then we can know that all things work together for good. For whom He foreknew, that's us. Amen. He predestined. To be conformed. People say, well, what about this predestination stuff? Does that mean some are destined to heaven? Some? No, it's not what it means. It, it, uh, let me tell you what predestination is. Because God knows everything. It simply means that man is given a choice whether they're going to serve God or not. But God knows every person that is choosing Him. The chosen are predestined. We've already got a predestined outcome. We've already got a predetermined outcome. And that is in Christ. Anyone that is in Christ... Is a new creature. The, des the destination is already finished. It's already determined. It's not about God saying, well, this one, yes. This one, no. This one, no. It is, in Christ, it is yes and amen. If anyone is in Christ, then they move into this predetermined destiny. Oh, come on, somebody. And those without Christ are predetermined already that without Christ there is no redemption. There is no salvation without the shedding of blood. Amen. Yeah. So it says there, who he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. Whom he called, these he justified. Whom he justified, these he glorified. And then he said, can anything separate us from God? No. He goes through the list of things. And, and then he ends up by saying, I'm persuaded that nothing is going to stop me. Nothing can separate me because I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. This is the hope of every believer. I want you to hear that. The hope of every believer is laid out in Romans 8, verse 18, all the way down through verse 39. It's there. It's the hope of every believer. It's God's plan for us. It's God's plan for our church. It's God plan, God's plan for His people. That's our hope. That's what we believe for. That's what we hold to. And so if that is our hope, then there are actions that we have to learn to involve ourselves in that are the actions of hope. Amen. And that's what our study is going to be on as we move forward. We are going to talk about what are the actions of hope. What does it mean? If we are people of hope, what does that mean? How should we live our life? What should we be involved in? What should we be doing? What should we be examining? What, how should we be moving forward? We, we have to do everything we do from the outlook of hope. Amen. Do you know God's got a plan for River Life Church? Until River Life Church is no longer a church on this earth. God's got a plan for River Life Church. Amen. He's got a purpose. 
He's got, he's got things for us as a body to accomplish. And we have to approach every day, every service, every ministry, everything that we involve ourselves in, every prayer time, everything that we do as a body, we need to approach from the mindset, the outlook of hope. Hope in that if God has a plan, we can fulfill it. Do you know why? Because hope in God is not dependent upon finances. Hope in God is not dependent upon, upon our own ability. If we have the enough wisdom to do it. If we have enough to accomplish it. If it's God's plan and we have hope in Him, then God will provide the resources for His plan to be fulfilled if we will operate in the outlook of hope. Keeping our faith in Him. Keeping our eyes upon Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Colossians would say, looking unto Jesus. Amen. Seeing Him above so that we can be like Him when we see Him. Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus and calls Him the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. See, our hope has to be in Him. Our, our hope, we're learning. If you haven't learned it yet, you need to learn it real quick. Your hope right now is not in a vaccine. Amen. Your hope right now is not in what a scientist can figure out and tell you. Your hope right now is not in if, if you try to isolate yourself and, and keep everybody else away from you. That doesn't give you hope either. Your hope is in only Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope is not in our politics. Hope is not in our, our bank accounts. Hope is not in what, what we see coming down the road as far as this natural world. Hope is not whether we're accepted by the world or popular in the world's eyes or have the status that we think it's going to take to, to be what God's called us to be. Hope is only in the fact that there's coming a day that Jesus is going to bring to pass everything He has planned. And if we will keep our eyes upon Him, we are included in that whatever he has for us to do on this earth if we will walk with him in the activities of hope with our faith in him there's not a devil in hell that can keep it from happening Woo, amen if I'm called to accomplish something for the Lord and I keep my eyes on Him and I keep my heart hungry for Him and I keep humble before Him and I keep pressing forward and I believe by faith and not doubt in my heart, then I'm going to accomplish whatever it is. It may not look like I thought it was going to look, but I will accomplish what God has called for me to accomplish because He is my hope and in Him I can do all His things. Amen. We might could take the scripture that says all things are possible. And we might could just say all his things are possible. If we just believe. Amen. Because if they're God's things, then it's possible if we can believe. Amen. Can believe I'm going to be president all day long. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, thank the Lord. I'm like the preacher that says it would be a step down from the position I currently possess to step into politics. Amen. Amen. 
I, I just, I, I want to encourage us because I, I just feel this. Let me, let me talk to you. Here's what, I'm going to just give you a couple things to think about. And then, like I said, over the next several weeks, we're just going to dig into the actions of hope and what it looks like. And we're going to evaluate, are we operating in hope? And operating in hope is going to include faith. It's always going to be on the wings of praise and prayer. It's always going to be fulfilled through the word. Amen. It's always going to take consecration and sanctification and separation because it's going to be disciplined living. But they are the actions of hope and they will produce God's plans. But I want to talk to you for a moment about this thing called the church. Because I just want, I want to make sure that you understand this. I've told you that I believe in my prayer time that I, I believe that, that we are coming into times that's going to be a mixed bag. And I, I don't hesitate to say this. I believe there are difficult days ahead. I, I just, I believe that. In my prayer time, I, I don't think this world's getting better. But, I believe that for those that are followers of Christ, amen, the blessings of the Lord will abound. And I believe in the face of adversity, we will be blessed. Amen? I believe God can bring treasures out of darkness. I believe God can bless His people even when it doesn't look possible. And so I'm not a defeatist. I believe we better be ready because I think there's going to be battles ahead of us. And I think that it's going to get tougher to be a Christian in the United States of America as well as in the world. I, I, I believe that. I believe that a lot of the 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 social media technology things that are coming i i believe that everybody's so excited about all these things but i believe they're going to usher in a day that's going to lead us directly uh to the end days where it's going to be so easy for one to step in and take over everything i think that we're living in the days of seeing that but even though i say that i believe god still got us Amen. And I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm not going to go timidly into the future and trying to see a boogeyman behind every corner. I, I'm going with the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And if anything, devils are going to be afraid of us. Amen. As we move forward. That's why they want to silence believers because the enemy cannot overcome a believer that's living in hope. Amen. So, but I believe we've got things to accomplish. And I believe God's blessing is going to be upon us. I believe revival is going to come. But I believe there is training that is going to be necessary for this move and this outpouring of the Spirit. That there's going to be miracles and deliverance and salvation and powerful experiences. But I believe there's going to have to be training that's going to take place so that people can walk in what God is giving to them. Amen. And so this thing we call the church has got to operate in hope. And let me tell you, for a large portion of the church today, they're not operating in hope. Amen. Yeah, operating out of being frustrated, out of being fearful, out of being timid, out of trying to fit in. My hope of winning the world is not in how well the world can like me. My hope of winning the world is only in the fact that God's word will overcome the adversary. Amen. And so my hope is in him alone. And if I will love others, 
and love God, if I'll speak the truth in love, if we will do all that we do in love and hope and faith, because these three remain, amen? Isn't that what the Word teaches us? These three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. If we'll operate in those, we are going to overcome. This thing called the church. In the Bible, it's really called the ecclesia. And it is a, it, a, a ecclesia, some would call it. It is a, and it is called out ones, but it carries with it an authority. It carries with it an, 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 an a governance. But it's not the government or the authority of man. It, the, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, carries with it the authority of God. And we can bring the authority of God's Word into this world. And so we have to operate. We, we have to understand as a church, we have to have hope. And we have to be the called out ones. We have to be bold with what God has given us to accomplish. And we cannot back down and we can no longer just try to figure out how it's all going to work. We just got to be willing when God says go to go and watch God do it just because we're faithful. Amen. We, we can sit around and plan and plan. Right? Or you can hear God say go, and you can go and go. But you're going to have to choose one way or the other. Now, should we plan? Absolutely. But our plans never take precedence over God's action. Amen. John chapter 20, verse number 19. It says, Then the same day at evening... Being the first day of the week, Jesus had been crucified. Now he's resurrected. First day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. They're behind closed doors. They're afraid that the Jews are going to come kill them just like they did Jesus. Jesus came and stood in the midst. And he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I want you to see this because I just want to lay this groundwork for us as we move into the actions of hope. I want to talk to you for a moment here about the church. Just a moment and we'll close. Because the first thing we see about the church in the Word of God, the Ecclesia, we, we see this. We see the promised church. John 20, we see the promised church. Now, Jesus made some promises to the church in Matthew 16. When Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And he said, your name from now on is no longer uh, going to be Simon, but it's going to be Peter. It's going to be Cephas. It's going to be that little rock. And he said, on this rock, the confession that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he said, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom. He made that promise to the church that will stand upon him. It's the promised church. Here in John chapter 20, he comes to the church and he gives them a promise. And he gives them the promise of peace. 
Amen? How many believe there was any peace in their lives before Jesus spoke that to them? There wasn't. They were fearful. They were afraid they were next. They were hiding behind a closed door for fear of the Jews. When Jesus shows up and says, peace to you. I give you peace. The promise to the church, to the ecclesia, to the called out ones, to the body that is together is even in our darkest moments, He'll give us peace. Even in our most trying times, He'll give us peace. We are the promised church of the Lord Christ. And one of the promises that we have been given is the promise of peace. We are the promised church. We are the promised church that in Mark chapter 16, Jesus leads them out and He says, In my name, you'll cast out devils. In my name, you'll lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name, you'll speak with new tongues. In my name, if you take up deadly things, they will not harm you. If drink, deadly drink is given to you, it will not affect you. In my name, go and make disciples. Go out. In Matthew chapter 20, he give, 28, he gives them the same charge. Go out and make disciples of all nations. Come on, somebody. See, we are the promised church. We are promised peace. But we not only are promised peace, we are promised that He's going to be with us. And His name is going to be ours. His authority is going to be ours. So we have peace and we have authority. And the promised church of the Lord Jesus Christ also has the power of the Spirit. Because in Luke 24, He tells them in verse 49, I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Till the Holy Spirit is fallen upon you. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, He tells them the same thing. And He sends them to an upper room to wait for the promise of the Father. The prom we are the promised church. I want someone to hear me. We are a part of the promised church. And that promise didn't wear out when the last apostle died out of the Bible. That promise didn't quit when Acts chapter 28 was penned. Or, or when Revelation, uh, the final chapter was penned. That wasn't the end of it. The promise is still good today because the Bible says when he sends his spirit, Peter stood up and said, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied about and that prophecy said he'll pour out his spirit upon your sons and your daughters and for as many as are afar off we are the promised church I want that to sink into you you are the promised of the Lord and we are a part of the promised church of the Lord that this is the foundation of our hope This, the, the foundation of our hope is that we are the promised of God. You know what, what Abraham going? He had a promise from God. He even, he, the Bible says Abraham never even saw it in his own flesh. But he believed it. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. We are the promised of God. We are, we are the faithful like Abraham. The father of Amen. For the promised. Let your hope reside in the fact that you are a promised person and we are a part of a promised church. And what are we promised? We are promised peace. We are promised authority in the name of Jesus. And we are promised power 
of the Spirit of God. Amen. It's the promised church. We were known by God. I don't have time to get into all of it. Jeremiah said, Before I formed you, I knew you. Amen. I want to kill babies in the womb before they were formed. God knows us. Takes right to life out of man's hands. It is God that is the giver of life. We were known. We were planned for. We may not have been planned for on this earth by people, but God planned for us. And we were purchased. I may come back and re-address some of that when I have time. The promised church, we were known, we were planned for, and we were purchased. Do you know God the Father purchased you by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about it. These, these bodies, temples of the Holy Spirit, don't you know you were bought with a price? Amen. We, we, we are purchased. First Peter chapter 1 talks about it. We are purchased as a promised church. And then we are the Pentecost church. The Pentecost people. Poured out upon church. Not only are we promised, but we have been poured out upon. Who does he fall upon? Those that are waiting. Watching. And what does he do when he falls, pours out upon them? He empowers them and prepares them. Amen. And then where we're going to land and we're going to go for the next several weeks is when we understand we are the promised church and promised people. And we, when we understand we are. The Pentecost church, Pentecost people, meaning we have been poured out upon by the Spirit of God. And we begin to understand that. Then we will decide now we are to be the pursuing church and pursuing people. For we are in full pursuit of the God that has pursued us. Amen. And we're going to find in that the actions. I just want to, I wanted to take tonight and open this up by encouraging you a little bit. Whatever you face, it's just light affliction compared to the glory God wants to reveal in us. And you are promised. You're poured upon. Amen? You're prepared for. He knew you. Yeah, it amazes me every time I think long enough to consider that God knew me. And yet, He called me to ask me to do this for Him. Every now and then I throw that back up to Him. I say, Lord, if you knew me, why in the world did you ask me to do this? Is anybody glad he, he knows you? 
You know what? When you realize he knew you from the very beginning, you know when that really hits you, it takes all the pressure off of you. doesn't mean he gives you right to be less than it means there's hope you can be everything God knew about you you don't have to settle for being less so I just want to encourage us tonight God knows God has a plan and God's promised when you wake up tomorrow when you go home tonight when you wake up tomorrow I want you to wake up with the thought I am a promised man or woman of God. And I have the peace of God. Because he's given it to me. And I have the authority of the name of Jesus because I'm his. And I have his name as a weapon in my life that I can walk in his authority. And I have the power of his spirit because I am purchased by him. Amen. Hope. So if that's the case, what could God do with us? Stand your feet with me. What could God do through us? What could God accomplish in us? One of those documentaries I watched of George Muller. He started orphanages. Because God called him to do it. And he never asked for a dime. He laid every need he ever had before God. Didn't have to go ask of man. In faith he laid it before God. And God provided to such a way that. Thousands of kids were taken off the streets and placed in orphanages because God spoke into the hearts of people and brought hope to a nation. What could God do through us? That was through one man. What can he do in us? Amen. Actions of hope. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Give us hope. And it, it's time. It's time for the church to lift up our heads in hope. We've been low long enough. We've been down for far too long. We've allowed ourselves to just go through the lowness with the world of this moment. Lord, it's a very real time, and it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's a struggle. But, oh, Lord, it cannot take the hope from promised people. From poured out upon people. From people that are pursuing you. So, Father, let us begin to operate in hope again. Because you can perform your word. You can do all things. You can accomplish what we could only imagine.
So you call it forth. Let us walk in it. Let us believe you for all of your things. And let us see your hand extended in our lives. And we love you. We thank you. And I ask that as we go through this study that you would awaken some things in us again. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. How many of you are glad to be here tonight in the Lord's house? Yes, Brian. Kyle. His name is Kyle. Veronica's friend's name is Angela. Let's, let's pray for them right now. Father, we bring Kyle to you right now. Lord, these are the moments that in hope and in faith we come before you. Knowing that all things are in your hands. The healing is in your hands. Rise, day star with healing in your wings. Visit him right where he's at. And let recovery now begin. We ask it in faith. We believe for the miracle. We trust you. We believe you. Be with Angela. Be with the family, kids. Be with all of them, Lord, as they navigate this time together. Bring peace and bring hope as we stand in faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.